Okay, so shall we begin? Okay, last year during the Pentecost, I gave a series on, I preached on a series on the Holy Spirit. And I think I took seven sessions uh, last year. There was a lot of important things said at that time. I believe that the first session I began with the sermon on the eye of the hurricane. And that has been made into a book in English and in Spanish as well. How about Chinese? Chinese not yet? Hurry up. Okay, so that we can give it to the kids when they come in July. So anyways, uh, at that time, um, with those seven series, and then the four series that are the ne- upcoming four weeks, uh, I pray that you will come to know the Holy Spirit deeply through these series. And I've already uh, exposited out of the entire book of 1 Corinthians. But um, the sermon from today's text will not be similar to what I preached last time when I was expositing 1 Corinthians. Rather, the focus will be on the Holy Spirit. And uh, elementary and preschoolers who are in fourth floor... um, I bless you. Okay, I bless you. Hallelujah. Okay, and when it comes to 1 Corinthians, remember the church in Corinth is the church that we do not want to imitate. From Paul's perspective, he would never have imagined that a church like this would have been established. And yet, from our perspective, this church is a very spiritual juggernaut. For example, it's like a church. Uh, they called. There's a church in Toronto called Blessing Church. They had that similar kind of spiritual works. But remember, it's not manifestations of the Holy Spirit. What is what is important? Rather, what we must see is that in this church in Corinth, they lost holiness, and because they lost holiness, it caused great pain to Paul. And there are many reasons, but ultimately it's because they were influenced by the world. When you live by the world, you live by this duology. When we live in God, it is unitary. It is one way. Right? As I said, Q was not afraid when he was smoking cigarettes. Because either way, what what mattered to him was God's will. But if you live by the world, you're always conflicted between choices. Everything is a choice. It's an option. So you're always filled with worries and concerns. Really, when our church was in the midst of deep revival, there was no worries whatsoever. Even now, God is my witness. I do not worry much. And if you live by God, that is clear evidence is that you will not worry. 
And so the reason why the Corinthian church was so corrupted is because they lived out of this duality of the world. And here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is pointing out the clear evidence that they have been corrupted, that they have fallen, which is what? That they were divided amongst themselves. And regarding this division, Paul uh, touches on this division up to chapter 4. And even in chapter 3, he describes this, this division as evidence of their immaturity. And so, you know, the fact that it, this Corinthian church, they had, you know, for Paul, for Peter, for, for various groups. And this issue of division is not an insignificant thing. We can speak of this from many perspectives. But think about the fact that God paid the price of His only begotten Son to establish His church. Right, and as it says in Matthew, what is God's or Jesus's last will for us is to be one, to be united. And so, when the church is united, that's evidence that Christ is the head of that church, and that is evidence that the kingdom of heaven is moving through that church. If it's division from the perspective of the world, it's showing that um, they are living by what seems right to them, right? What I judge as right. And so that's why this order breaks down. God does not work without his order. He does not bless from the context of outside his order. Because the kingdom of heaven is not based on works. But it works within the order of calling. And yet there still seems to be some people who do not recognize this in our church. And so this is what we're going to deal with in the beginning of this passage. But as he talks about this division up to chapter 4, first in chapter 1, he, he begins by talking about this division. He introduces this problem. And the first reason for this division that Paul can see is that the church in Corinth did not have the cross. Because they were contaminated by the world, they lose sight of that cross, the pure cross. And so, and so in chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And so, you know, at this time, Greeks highly valued rhetoric, right? And rhetoric was about the uh, pinnacle of wisdom, God of worldly wisdom. And so if you speak of the cross using this rhetoric, you are robbing the cross of its power. And then so in verse 18, what does he say? For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so remember, the cross is logos. It is the word, right? The way. And to those who are perishing, right? Those who are perishing, it is folly. But to those who are being saved, right? It is power of God. And so to Paul, he can categorize all men into these two categories. It's not 
those who attend church and those who do not attend church, even if you are attending church, there are some who are still perishing. Even if you are in the church, the life you are to live is a life that is what? A life that is being saved. And where is the standard for this? It is the cross. Is the way of that cross being continually received? In that reception, they are receiving salvation. They are being saved. But those who reject that, they are choosing to be perished. To perish. And so to Paul, the cross is everything in his life. And that's what we'll see in chapter 2, verse 2 as well. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And what is he alluding to here? That the cross is the lens through which Paul sees the world. And as, as it says in Galatians 6.14, that he had boasted nothing apart from the cross. Why? Because through the cross, he sees everything. And I talked about this in 1 Corinthians, actually. But whoever you may be in this world, whoever it may be, if they meet the cross, it becomes impossible to live from the perspective of Babylon. And so I usually say this, that everything breaks down before the cross. I thought I was rich, but because I meet the cross, I realize how poor I am. I thought I was wise, but after I met with the cross, I realize how ignorant I am. I thought I was famous, but when I met the cross, I realized that it's worth nothing. And so if it's not through the cross, then I will ultimately live by the flesh. And look, this is the tragedy of the reality of our situation. This is the reason why so many saints are heading towards their doom. Because it's only when you meet that cross that you realize the poverty that you live in. You realize the foolishness that is the honor of this world. But without meeting this cross, you continually live by the standards of Babylon. And so to Paul, the cross is the lens through which he views the world. Just as if you look through blue tinted lenses, the world will look blue. And it's only when you look through the cross that you see the vanity of the world, the emptiness of the world. And it becomes impossible for you to live by the flesh that has so uh, fettered us. And so remember, the cross is the focus of the gospel. And this focus of the gospel, Paul describes as the way of the cross. When, when we say the way of the cross, 
It's speaking of the entire process, the entire motivation, and the entire way that Jesus Christ lived on this earth to the point where he died on that cross. And so this is speaking of the word of the cross. So it's not just simply that one event of him hanging on that cross. No, it's talking about the entire process, the reason why he came in the flesh. And yet, and yet he was unable to use his divinity. And so though he was in the flesh, completely flesh like you and me, and yet why he had to deny his flesh and reject sin. As Philippians 2 succinctly describes, right, that he did not consider equality with God something would be grasped, but took on the um, image of a servant, an obedience, obedience to the point of the cross, to death on a cross. So this, all of these things are encapsulated, we call it the way of the cross. So it's not just simply that one event, but rather everything that applied to Jesus' life on this earth, that, that we are imitating that entirety, that whole. As Paul says in Philippians 3, that I, I would like to uh, know him in his death, right? Know him in his death and his resurrection so that I can partake in his suffering, that I may taste the victory of that resurrection at all costs. And so to Paul, this way of the cross was everything. Now the reason that this was possible is because Paul met with the cross. And as we wear glasses in the same way, this cross became the lens through which he saw life. And so he sees the world differently. If you live by the perspective of the world, you go crazy. If you live by this world, you are a crazy man. Basically, you're living like a day fly. Because you do not know what tomorrow holds, that's how you live. You cannot live for eternity. If you do not know the essence of life, you can't help but live by Babylon. And it's because they do not see the cross that they live for their own benefit, their own gain even if they attend the church. And so examine yourselves. Are you looking through the lens of the cross or not? If you look through these lenses, you will not be able to live according to your flesh. You will not be able to live according to your thoughts. And so if you do live by the flesh, it means that you have not put on these lenses. And so ultimately, if we are to be moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of life, then we must first, we cannot be moved unless it is through the cross. And so I'm not talking about salvation here, brothers. Rather, rather if we want to live in a gospel way, we need to meet with the cross. Without meeting the cross, it is impossible to live in the kingdom of heaven. And so this is where we need to be wary, brothers. Because Christianity isn't just simply about attending church. It's not just simply about going to church. 
No, when you talk about Christianity, it means you are living in the kingdom of heaven. Christian life isn't just simply about coming to church and when you're at church, you look for, for holiness. But when you go to the world, you just live as the world does. No. Because think about it. Is God confined to the church? No. At any place, we must be under his reign. And if that is to be made inside of you, you need to put on the lens of the cross and live out the way of the cross. Amen? And so as I always say, there is no similarity between this world and the kingdom of heaven. They are completely opposite. They stand opposed. And so when we live through the cross, we will continually put the flesh to the death. And as we live that way, our entire being enters into that glory. And so that's what Paul's describing in chapter 1, verse 18. But now in chapter 2, verse 6 to 16, Paul is continually describing the way of the cross as what it means to live, as it pertains to the Holy Spirit. In other words, the way of the cross is wisdom. Now, of course, in 18, he describes it as the power of God to save, right? But, in, but it doesn't, it's not a fa- fallacy to equate the power of God with the wisdom of God. But because if you just simply use wisdom, it, it, it kind of constricts the scope of it. That's why Paul uses the word power in verse 18. And so he's saying that it is the power to live out the kingdom of heaven. Now, of course, we need wisdom to live out that kingdom, yes? But if you only uh, limit it to wisdom, that scope is too small. That's why in verse 18, he says power, right? It is the force. But uh, this wisdom in chapter 2 is speaking of the way of the cross. And so if you cannot go through the cross, then fundamentally you live in foolishness. Because even though you know that this way should not be the way to go, without the cross you cannot help but go that way. You should not worry, but without the cross you cannot help but worry. Right. Uh, we need to be like that other that young adult that I described. Even if he smokes, he's not afraid of cancer. <laughs> oh, this is a little bit corrupted, right? It's a little wrong, but but anyways. How long ago was this cute? In middle school? Middle school. Uh, high school, high school. Wow, it's already been 10 years since then. And so, so how great must his faith be now? That was great faith, brother. So, and as we continue in chapter 1 if you look at verse 21 it com- he compares the wisdom of God with the wisdom of the world 
And so uh, the people of this world consider the wisdom of God to be folly. Why? Because they do not know God and they do not know eternity. They cannot see that essence. They cannot see that truth. Because they are day flies, they cannot see tomorrow. They are not foolish because they are dumb. No, they are foolish because they cannot see beyond their dimension. And so do not think that you are the same as human beings in this world because you have the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says that you are a new creation. It means that this is a human being that did not exist before Jesus Christ. You are a completely new being. So you are no longer a dayfly. And because they live out this dayfly life, they are foolish. But if you live out that foolishness, you will be taken by your folly. If you live by the wisdom of the world, you will be foolish. And so we need to live by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so in chapter 1, Paul continually accuses the wisdom of this world to be folly. But this wisdom is what is the way of the cross. True wisdom is what is found in the way of the cross. And so if you put on the lens of the cross, you can live out the way of the cross. And Paul calls this wisdom. But if you look at uh, the big picture of the Bible, it's hard to equate the way of the cross as wisdom. Because even if you look at it from the perspective of the Old Testament, as it says in Proverbs 8, that wisdom is the authority of the king to reign right it's very practical as it's described in Proverbs 8 but also in this wisdom comes the authority to rule over creation it's also the ability to discern uh, creation and so wisdom is the ability to know the will of God to know what God wants and so from that perspective when you look at it from this big picture it's hard to equate the wisdom of God as the way of the cross and yet why here is Paul describing the way of the cross as wisdom because through my temptations being hung on that cross being nailed on that cross every moment by moment I can choose the direction of God and so the reason why we choose the wrong path is because we keep choosing my gain, my benefit. That's why it's foolishness. We are losing the direction towards eternity. We are unable to choose what God wants, what pleases God. And so from that perspective, the wisdom uh, way of the cross is wisdom because it is the ability to choose the way of God. And so what is wisdom to us? It is the ability to not choose our flesh, what our flesh wants. As Proverbs says, the Proverbs says that a way seems right to a man, but that way leads to death and destruction. 
And this man is not just any man, but a fleshly man, right? The old self. And so if the, the, the way that the old self chooses leads to destruction, leads to death, this is the principle of things because, because it's impossible to choose rightly when you live by the flesh, when you move according to the desires of the flesh. And so from that perspective, the way of the cross can equate to wisdom in this context, though it's not directly all the time, but in this context. And so when we look at verse 6, it describes mature, right? And so those who are mature have wisdom. Among the mature, we do impart wisdom. And so what... In other words, only the mature can receive wisdom. And so let's think about this word maturity. Okay, think about the makeup of the church in the early days. Apart from the church in Corinth, Everywhere else that we see, the early church was filled with mature believers. So look at verse 14. It says the natural person, right? And so this natural person in the Greek is the word psychikos. means someone who thinks by their mentality. It means that someone who's not living in faith. And so the early church knew this clear distinction between the church and the world. Why? Because everyone who's in the church is mature. They are all pneumaticos, which means they live by the Spirit. But what is the people of the world? They live by their thoughts. And so, so this, there is this clear distinction between the world and the church. Why are we able to say that there was only mature ones in the early church? Because the moment they received salvation, the moment they received the Holy Spirit, immediately the Holy Spirit empowered them to live in maturity. And that's why I'm continually telling you, proclaiming to you the event of the Damascus. Because apart from the Corinthians, everywhere else, they all had mature only believers in the church. That they were all saints, right? Immediately. Right? God, Paul calls them saints. And so look, the church isn't just simply a gathering of men who, who like to worship God. No, it is clearly defined by being under the dominion of God, under the reign of God. So listen carefully. It's all about salvation. If you receive salvation rightly, then immediately you live out this maturity. Even from my own experience, this is true. The moment I receive salvation, I could not live out my flesh. Because I have to live out what the Holy Spirit wants, I have to keep stopping. And so after salvation, for a year, I lost 10 kilograms. Not because I was fasting, but because I could not live out my strength. Right? If it was just 
in the past, I would have just moved according to my instinct. I would have eaten whatever I wanted to eat. I would have said whatever I wanted to say. But because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me, I had to stop waiting for the Holy Spirit. My thoughts had to stop. My words had to stop. And so it's so difficult. And so I talked about this during leadership, that it's important to learn to live by the Holy Spirit. And so if you did not live by the Holy Spirit and you're learning to live by the Holy Spirit, then I guarantee you will lose 10 kilograms. But look at our church. It, no one loses weight. They all seem to gain weight. And so, or it, it, that means that you are not learning to live by the Holy Spirit or you have always lived by the Holy Spirit. And you have always lived by the Holy Spirit and so you easily know where the Holy Spirit is. There's some of you laughing, some of you, um, um, what's it called? I don't uh, furrowing your brows. But so look, the fact that they were filled with mature believers is pointing to salvation. That the moment they received salvation, they understood the way of the cross. And from that moment, they are not choosing to be perishing, but to be saved. And so how is this possible, brothers? Because understand that what God has done in you is not a small thing. As I always say, it's not hot water, cold water turning hot, but no, it's water being turned to wine. Your entire being has been transformed. It's not a beggar enjoying a good meal, no, a beggar being turned into a prince. And so when Paul talks about mature, the mature, he's not talking about special people. No, he's talking about the entire community. And yet, the interesting thing that we find in Corinth, in Corinth is that there are these two categories of people in the church. Whereas everywhere else, there was only one. But in this church, there are those who live by the psuke, the psyche, their thoughts, right? And so if you do not live by faith, you are living by your thoughts. And so this was uh, accurately described by Paul. Because when God created man, he breathed, breathed his life into them and it became a living being. And so in 1 Corinthians, it talks about this as living psyche, right? And so if you do not live by God, you will live by your thoughts. This is our existential curse that we have as man. And, and, and so without God, we cannot live. Without God, we are under that curse of living by our thoughts. And so from that perspective, Paul is using this word, the psukikos, for those who do not live by faith. And yet, interestingly, what we see is another category in Corinthians. As we see in chapter 3, verse 1, those who are of the flesh. And so what's interesting is that these people are, are being people who have received the Holy Spirit. And yet they live by the sarks. They are the sarkikos. Meaning that they are living fleshly lives. They are not beings who are not saved. They have been saved. And yet they live by their desires, by their instincts. And so maybe it's because they were unable to deal with that or they fell back. I, we do not know. 
But ultimately, Paul describes them as those living by the flesh. And so, if we think about the present day church, there's probably more categories than these three. Right? Even in our church, I think I could maybe divide them into five categories. But as Paul was looking at these Corinthians, he was so conflicted. How in the church of God could the Sarks remain? Did they, did they receive salvation incorrectly? Did they fall back? But ultimately, what is clear to Paul is that there are these immature beings, those who are living by the Sarks. And so as you look at verse 1, but I, brothers, cannot address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. And so immature beings. And what does it say in verse 2 regarding these immature ones? I fed you with milk, not solid food. I cannot feed you solid food because you are immature. Because they cannot, um, they cannot digest it. And so obviously this church cannot please God because they are still babies. And there are many reasons why the church is powerless. But if we are a community that can digest the word that is being proclaimed through me, then the church should already be a powerful church. It's not a church that would be quiet in the worship like this. They cannot listen quietly like this. As they receive the word, they would burst into tears. As that word is being proclaimed, the kingdom would come and shaking this room. And yet there are so many categories, so many categories here. And so it's constantly causing this limitation over the cap for this church. And that's the reason why our church is powerless. And this is something that those who preach will see. I want to go deeper into the spiritual realm, but there is this limitation. There is this uh, lack. And so because there's so many categories, it's limiting the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, brothers, you need to be aware of how you are contaminating the church. And later we'll see in chapter 6, 16, right, that God will annihilate, will curse the one who pollutes the temple. And so verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3, for you are still of the flesh. And what's evidence that they are still of the flesh? For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh? So this is evidence that amongst them, the evil of jealousy and strife is rampant. This is clear evidence that they are of the flesh. That they are creating cliques amongst themselves. Paul, the clique that is for Paul, the clique for Paul, the clique for Apollos, the clique that is for charismatic, the cliques that is for um, Christ. This is all evidence that they are in the flesh, in the, the sarks. Listen carefully, brothers. 
Look at how clear evident, evident, how evident it is in our church that we are immature, that we have so many groups. Now that I'm going overseas again, uh, there are all these spirits that were flooding this church again. It's because we are not clear of that order of living by, by uh, the, the church. Right? For example, it's like this. This pastor is, is I'm, I like this pastor very much because, because you know, I, I'm on cord with him. Right? right? Or, or I like this pastor. That's what happened in the Corinthian church, right? Right, they, they create these cliques based on their personalities. That's not how the kingdom of heaven was made. Right, it is under the order of, of that calling. It is in the order of the kingdom of heaven. And so, you know, uh, like the pastor that has left during that time, that spirit is coming back in right now. Like that spirit where, where you know, you're friendly among, with that pastor. And because you like that pastor, you're always following that pastor. Right, you don't. Right, what happened at that time is you don't even buy a meal for the head pastor, and yet you buy cell phones and and all and and and, and cars for that pastor. It's because they are unaware of the order of the church. So shall we see what groups you are belong to? Okay, stand up if you are in Pastor Yu's use, right? You are Pastor Yu's click, right? I know you guys are there. How about here? Pastor Yoon's click, okay, stand by him. Okay, Pastor Lee's click, stand here. You are, you are Pastor Lee's click. Pastor Cho's part, click, okay? You are all Pastor Cho's click, right? You, you, you guys, right there. Right? Good, there's no pianist there. Go there, go there, okay? It's because you do not know what the church is that you keep looking at pastors that, that are, that are, uh, what's it called, that are, that appeal to you, that appeal to you. Look, Israel worked, was through Moses. It's about calling. I'm not talking about my excellence. I'm not trying to boast. I'm trying to talk about what is the church. As Paul says that, you know, it is my gospel, my gospel. And going beyond pastors, you're gathering only around people that you like, right? There's so many groups in this church, right? Group that likes uh, fried chicken and groups that like steak. And you don't talk to people who don't appeal to you, right? and can't even repent of this can't see how much this is contaminating the church how much this is polluting the church that is how immature you are God doesn't work outside of the order of the church 
And this is the reason why you are gathering in these cliques because you're unable to enter into the order of the church. Remember, it is in that church that God blesses. But if you cannot enter into the church, God separates them, separates them, right? I'm sure that that pastor is doing really great things right now because he's outside the church. No, this is a joke. Okay, listen carefully. It's a joke. So, brothers, listen carefully. Division is very dangerous. It is proof of our immaturity. In this church, there must not be strife. There must not be anyone that you cannot hold hands with. There is not anyone that you cannot converse with. If you're constantly um, emphasizing your personality, people who meet, uh, who appeal to your personality, who align with your personality, that is evidence of the world taking over you. And that's what, that is the Corinthian church. So they're unable to receive the dominion of him who is the head. They're unable to receive the blessing of God that flows through that order. Brothers, look at this carefully. We need to see that this is great immaturity. It's because we are not seeing through the lens of the cross. And so is that person truly saved? If you have not met the cross, how can you say you are saved? And so what is Paul trying to say through 1 Corinthians? That because they are in the church, you can call them immature. But what does Paul truly want to call them? He truly wants to say that you are not saved. Now, of course, they probably have received salvation. But if they were to die in this moment that, that, that Paul is describing, would they truly be saved? And so these immature things are polluting the church, is contaminating the church. And so this was um, particular to the Corinthians. And so brothers, look. Okay, the church in this day is constantly trying to appeal to the world. But that is the strategy of the devil. The world must be set apart, must be set apart from the world. That they are clearly men of God. That they, that they are fanatics. Right? That must be clear to the world. Now, I know when we use this word fanatics, we get scared of heresy. But I mean, that's actually one thing that's clear about heretics is that, look, you can know that they are them, right? That they are Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> but anyway, so let's continue. <coughs> Excuse me. So verse 6, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. And so look, this wisdom and this power is what uh, the rich and, and the wealthy want, right? Because they want to control, they want to rule and conquer like Babylon, like Nebuchadnezzar. 
But why do we need wisdom? We need wisdom because it is the essence of the kingdom of heaven, not because it is a tool to control, a tool to rule. No, rather, it is for us to serve, right? Because we need wisdom because we want to enter to the glory of God. And so the desire of wisdom of God and the desire of the wisdom of the world are stand opposed. And again, that is clear uh, source of, uh, of what it means to be the remnant is those who are not in the um, mainstream of Babylon, but on the outskirts. And so, brothers, we are coming to a time where if this clear difference is not in our manifest in our lives, that there will be great danger. So anyways, continuing, verse 7. Okay. So are you standing according to your clicks? Okay. Pastor Lee's click, Pastor Yu's click, Pastor Yoon's click. Okay, at the end, I'll send you out with that pastor to establish your own church. And Pastor Cho's click, you guys are all here, right? I see you. Okay, go to Kwangju. Okay, as I've been going overseas, the spirit is starting to rear its head again. That, when, that whenever I leave, like this is happening. Now look, it's not based on my presence, right? Like because I'm here, God is reigning, and I'm not here, God's not reigning. No, God is revealing, revealing this wickedness. He's revealing all of these wickedness that has been in our church. And so receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay, God is shaking things up. He's shaking things up. And if you get immersed in this weakness, the devil is going to use that opportunity and not let you go. So that's why God is shaking this up, shaking this up. And so be grateful that our wickedness is being revealed. Amen? And so moving on, verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. And what is this? So this wisdom of God is secret and hidden, right? It is a secret. And where else does this word secret come out? Right? In in Book of Mark, when he talks about the parable of the seed, right? Why do you speak in parables? Because though these parables are revealed to you, it is secret to them. And so God is not uh, hiding this uh, cross to all, but it is an open ended secret. It is open to all, so all can see, and yet it is also hidden. What, what does this mean? It means God must open it to you. To those who receive the Holy Spirit, they can know this secret. And so we'll talk about the Holy Spirit later. In, and so if God does not reveal it, even if you are a professor, you cannot know that secret. So the reason why you're unable to recognize the word of God is not because you are dumb. It's because you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, all this word would be revealed to you. And the way of the cross, it would be revealed to you. 
And so if you have received the Holy Spirit, it's evidence that you have come, you, have, you are going down the way of the cross. And so the key is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What else does it say in verse 7? Which God, uh, which God uh, no, uh, and hidden by God. Uh, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Which means that uh, in terms of the context of time, it is not yet revealed. Right? As it says in Romans, I believe he said chapter 11, that uh, the gospel and Christ has been hidden from before creation began. And so before time began, this way of the cross has been prepared. Not because he knew man would fall, but rather whatever this world, this creation would choose, God knew that this was the answer. That when he created man, he expected Adam to continually walk with him. But Adam failed, right? But God already had an answer prepared, which is the way of the cross. And so before time began, God already had this plan, right? As he says, uh, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And so God decreed this from before time began and the time has come. And so this Kairos, right? This Kairos time has been revealed for this secret to manifest. And so from the perspective of the book of Hebrews, because all of this uh, was hidden, that uh, it is only through Christ that is our only option. And so if you do not live through Christ, it cannot say that you are living. And that's why Jesus Christ became priest in the order of Melchizedek, serving in the heavenly tabernacle not made by the hands of man, and that Jesus' blood was made available to us, all as it described in the book of Hebrews, that that living through Christ alone can be called life. And so it has been hidden, but now as this secret has been revealed, that this life is the only way to live. And so from the big picture of things, the reason why man is perishing is because they are not choosing the way of life that has been hidden. They are not dying because lack of money. They are not dying because of lack of health. But they are dying because they do not choose the way of life. And this was God's original plan for us to live. And so he's not forcing this order upon you. But because we are created in his image, he loves us. And this is the way of love. And so our best life is to live according to him. Our best life isn't loving your wife. 
Okay, so of course it is happiness, but not the best happiness. The best happiness is living by uh, by by God, right? I've been visiting uh, newlyweds these days. And really, I could just smell that, that happiness that, that, that exudes from their pores. And I keep thinking to myself, let's see in 10 years how you feel then. But, but anyways, as beautiful as it is as in this honeymoon, but more beautiful is living in God. And then so, uh, God decreed before the ages for our glory. And so, this uh, decree for glory was chosen before the time began. And so, whoever God created, ultimately that creation is going to be like him. And so, God didn't just coincidentally create Adam. No. From before ages began, God has decreed to create Adam in his image. And that's why Adam is this kingly being. Remember, whenever the Bible talks about glory, you must think of king, right? Because ultimately, this glory only is given to God, and yet God gave this glory to man. So do not be deceived regarding this. Your being in itself originally began as image of God. It doesn't happen. It's not something we attain. No, from before the ages, God decreed this for your glory. And so that's why Paul says that God has elected him from before the ages. It's not rather, it's not meaning that oh God already knew Paul before time began. No, rather this glory has already been decreed. And so God gives you this glory because he has decreed it from before the ages began. And so don't think of anything apart from this glory. That is being deceived by Babylon. Everything that God has planned for you is glory. Why? Because he has imparted his being into you. He has imparted his holiness. He has imparted his inheritance. He has imparted his temple. He has imparted his holiness. Everything has been imparted to you. And so whatever we do, it is for glory. And so when we are unable to live for that glory, it's because we lack belief in that in our being. And so this nobility, would they, this nobility worry about what they eat tomorrow? No, it's because you do not believe. It's because you live as a pauper that you worry. A prince doesn't worry about these things. That's why, what does the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ say? Do not worry about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear, but seek first his kingdom. It's because you do not believe in this that you live as a beggar. That's why you're constantly worried about where your next meal is going to come. And so again, like, you know, from before the ages, this alludes to predestination. 
And when we think about predestination and before the ages, what should what should come to our mind? Ephesians, right? Ephesians 1, 3, 1, uh, 4 and 5. That he has predestined us to be pure and blameless. Why? Because of who we are. We are kings. And so this is obvious to be pure and blameless. Moving on, verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this. And so the wisdom of this world, uh, the more you live by the wisdom of this world, the more you are putting to death the wisdom of glory. And so all the systems of this world, politics, uh, social, society, um, uh, culture, all of these things do not glorify them, but rather it is all a plan to destroy glory. And so the more filled you are by the world, whether you are doing it willingly or not, you are studying how to destroy glory. Why are we able to send uh, rockets into space? What began that? It was to uh, break down the creation story of the Bible. It's in order to test their various theories of how this world came to be. Right, in order to test their theories of molecules and atoms, that's why they send things to space. Right, because if these amino acids, right, and, and protein chains can be found in space, then there is life outside of this world. And so what is all this science for is to destroy the truth of, of the Bible. And so the more knowledge of the world you have, the more uh, data of the world you have, the more you understand, the more you are being filled with methods of unbelief. Because it comes from the logic of man. They are, and it is self-centered on man. And so ultimately what they're trying to do is destroy God. And so as it says in verse 8, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Right? The Lord. Lord means master, right? Master. And so you should put to death the ones who deserve death, but they put to death the one who is master. And so of course they stand condemned. If you know the Lord of glory, then we would always be humble. That whatever I do in this life, I would be according to his will because I acknowledge him as master, as Lord. Right? And there would be no complaint then, no matter the results. There cannot be any despair. There could not be any dismay because it is all in his hands. Moving on to verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And so all the wisdom of Babylon is 
sensed through your fleshly senses. And that fleshly sense is the life of darkness, right? Okay, just because you see through your eyes doesn't mean it's reality, right? Right, through your eyes, through your ears, uh, through your emotions, your thoughts, right? All of this is based on outside factors. And so, because you have these senses, if you do not live by the Spirit, you cannot help but live by the flesh. Because you are bombarded with things that, that uh, tingle your senses. And so, if you live by Babylon, you cannot help but receive darkness, receive death. And as I always say, it's not, oh, all of a sudden I cannot pray. Do not say that, oh, all of a sudden. You've got to remove that. No. Through your senses, you've been continually been receiving darkness. And as it gets beyond that threshold, that's why it happens. And so that's why I always say you need to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you need to continually reject darkness. But if you don't reject darkness, you keep receiving it with your eyes, with your ears, with your thoughts, with your emotions, right? That means your spirit is moving towards those things. And so it becomes so obvious that you cannot pray. That's why I say don't treat lightly that you cannot pray. Because when you cannot pray, it doesn't just happen out of nowhere. No, it's, it, it's a result of buildup, right? It's a result of buildup. There's some of you whose your eyes are dozing off, right? My, my nose is getting bigger, smaller, bigger, smaller. You're zooming in, zooming out because you're dozing off, right? Your head is waving and waving and waving. Repent. That means that you have been filled with darkness throughout this week. You are bound. That you have not been receiving God's nourishment of life throughout this week. You've been living by your senses, your thoughts, your smell, your taste, your, your hearing, your, your emotions. So, brothers, why do we get fat? Why do we? Because we are using less calories than what we eat. Okay, uh, that's why it's a lie to say that you gain weight even if you drink water. No, you gain weight because you are eating and not moving. Why aren't you saying amen? Right? It's the same thing, same thing spiritually. It's because you are not living a spiritual life that rejects, that cuts off this darkness. So it doesn't happen all of a sudden. It's not coincidence. No. No. It's because of your choices. And as that threshold gets filled, when that threshold gets passed, it happens. And so, now, let's get into the body of the text of what I want to talk about today. And so, we, ultimately, what am I saying? We're talking about wisdom. And the reason why we do not know this wisdom is because we do not live by the Holy Spirit. 
And so, as I always emphasize, there's nothing more important than living by the Holy Spirit. That is the answer. There is no other effort that we need to make. There's nowhere else that we need to research. Because this is the principle of our creation. And going further, because we have been open to the secret that Jesus has revealed, it's more important, not just living by the presence, but because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, there is nothing more powerful in this world than this Holy Spirit. There is nothing more wise, amen? There's nothing more noble. Then what should we live by? Isn't the answer obvious? But it's because you do not live by that spirit that you do not recognize that nobility, that you do not recognize that power. It's not because you lack money. No, this is a lie. It's not because of lack of money. It's because you do not live by the Holy Spirit that you are not wise. And so again, Paul describes this way of the cross as wisdom. And the reason why you are unable to receive that way of the cross, the blessing of the way of the cross, is because you are not living by that Holy Spirit. And so we want to know the Holy Spirit clearly through these next four weeks. But to know isn't just simply knowing and knowledge, but to experience, right? And so right now, let's welcome the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. We receive you. So let's receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is there has never been a time where it's been more easy to receive the Holy Spirit. In the past, this is an example. This is an example, okay? This isn't the truth, the example. Let's say that uh, in the past, it took 10, year, 10 hours to pray. I had to pray 10 hours to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But now, it's one hour and I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is just an example, right? And, uh, right. Uh, it's not by works, but just to illustrate how easy it is to live by the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, if you do not live by the Holy Spirit, it is so easy to live in darkness. Back in the past, I had to look at 10 hours of things to receive that darkness. But now, the moment I let go of the Holy Spirit, I'm filled with darkness. And so, brothers, there's only one option, right? To live by the Holy Spirit. Keeping our eyes focused on God. Amen? This is the choice that is be laid before you. Okay, we are living in a time where it's so easy to live in the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, it is so easy to be filled with darkness. Do not take my words lightly, brothers. Why does the Bible say to pray without ceasing? Because that is the only way to not choose darkness. That is ultimately how we are to live our lives, right? Because God has made it possible for us. Why does the Bible say to always rejoice? Because when we fall into despair for a little bit, we, fall, we get filled with sadness. Why does it say to always give thanks? Because, because if we lose sight of that, even for a moment, we get filled with complaints and worries. That's the time that we are living in. And so, how easy would God allow the fullness of the Holy Spirit to be? And so even now, be filled with the Holy Spirit as the Word is entering inside of you. The glory of that gospel is moving inside of you. Amen? And yet, there's some of you whose faces are still shadowy. Why is your face still so dark? Are you afraid that your wife is going to die?
These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. This is the wisdom of God. Right? The way of the cross is, can only be received through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Right? So God has revealed apocalypse, revelation. And so only through the Spirit uh, revelation can we know these things. And so fundamentally, the way of the cross is talking about Christ crucified. Right? How can Christ, God, be crucified? And so from the wisdom of man, this is crazy, right? It's not logical. It's illogical. How can God die? And so from the perspective of this world, they cannot understand the, this wisdom. And honestly, there's nothing in this Bible that can be understood from the context of the wisdom of this world. How can God become man? That's not possible. How can God die? How can the dead come back to life? And so everything in the Word of God without the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you cannot understand, especially the way of the cross. Right? Christ crucified is the way of the cross. How can the Messiah die? And so that's why to the Greek, it's foolishness, it's folly. And to Jews, a stumbling block. Why? It's a stumbling block. Even the Jews right now, they cannot receive Jesus. How Why did Jesus die? And so that's, they don't look at Isaiah 52. How can God die? And so without the Holy Spirit, you cannot understand. And so Ephesians 2.17 talks about the relationship between wisdom and revelation. And so revelation, in other words, is direction. It's not only a spiritual gift. It is God's revelation. And so every moment by moment, we follow the revelation of God, the manifestation of God. And so if we have a problem with direction, we are living in darkness. And so from this perspective, revelation is really simple. It's just direction. That your goal will be God, your motivation will be God, and your reason will be God. And so the source of your failure is direction. Even all the secrets and delicate things of God is made through what? Through direction. Through revelation. And even faith is a gift. And the reason why you do not receive that gift is because you are not looking towards Him. Right? Let us look, to, let us fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so it's all fulfilled in looking at Him. And so look at how easy it is to live in God. God did not make a difficult life. He's not demanding difficult things. The only thing he demanded of Adam is to live with him. Don't look towards the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, but look to me. But because we live by Babylon, 
the force of this darkness keeps us from looking at him. And so the essence of this is what is unbelief. Right? What does he say to the Israelites? Look at the bronze serpent and you will live. And yet so many people died. Why? Because their logic could not accept that, oh, just looking at a bronze serpent will, make, will save me. And so remember, when I talk about the wisdom of God, I'm talking about dimension. It's not logical to this three-dimensional world. But that is the dimension of this world. But from the dimension of God, when you look, you will see, you will say, you will be saved, you will live. And so that's why I say revelation is about direction. Why do you not know revelation? Because you are not looking towards God. You are not directed to God. Then what is wisdom? Wisdom is the power to move in that direction. And so wisdom is very simple. When you receive revelation, just obey that revelation. Right. If you if he commands you follow right and so so do not lose sight of that relationship as we look at today's text and so for the spirit searches everything even the depths of God and so searches everything right search right in other words like research and so the Holy Spirit alone can search out, can seek out these things. And so even the depths of God. And so when we recognize, when we receive the way of the cross, what does it mean? It means that we can seek out the depths of God. And so I could talk about many things regarding this. God's personality. But it's because you do not live by the Holy Spirit that you do not recognize God's character. When someone gets angry, they should manifest God's meekness. If they had the character of God, even though despair comes, they would not fall into despair. And yet because they do not recognize God, they fall into despair. And so these depths of God is talking about all of God, right? Even his personality. All of these things are known by the Holy Spirit. His ministry, what he wants right now, he wants you to heal. He wants you to deliver. Right? The work of the Holy Spirit reveals all of these things. His plan, his will, his strategy. All of these things, the Holy Spirit searches out. As it says in Romans 8. Right? Romans 8.27 Right, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the spirit. Right, this is the same context as we're looking at in First Corinthians two. That he who searches our hearts not is not looking at us, but looking at the spirit of God. And so the Holy Spirit dwells within me, and so knows all of these things, and so knows what I need. That ah, I need to minister to this person in this way. Ah, this person needs to go in this direction. And so this is what I mean when I say it's not my thoughts. 
because the limitations of our thoughts cannot know the right way, cannot seek out the deep things of God, cannot know what pleases and what displeases God. It is only the Holy Spirit that reveals these things. And so that's what this means when it says that he searches out all things, everything, even the deep depths of God. And so it is a miracle that you are here in peace without the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay, maybe it's the grace of God, right? Not a miracle. Okay, uh, this is great comedy. I don't know why you guys aren't laughing. Okay, and so really, throughout this month, let us be intimate with the Holy Spirit. Right? Uh, all three heads of the Trinity are really important. But while we're on this earth, from the perspective that the Holy Spirit directly is in me, He is something that is takes great precedence in us, right? And so if you limit Him and you offend Him and you look down on Him, then you cannot live by the Spirit. You cannot live by the kingdom of heaven, right? You cannot think that, oh, it will work out in the end. No, you'll go to destruction if you limit the Holy Spirit. You cannot talk of glory without living in the Holy Spirit. Right? God wants you all to enter into glory. And so let us not limit the Holy Spirit. Even if we lose all things, as long as we do not lose the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. And so let us live only by the Holy Spirit. Even without money, we will survive. We don't need money. Money is not a necessity. It seems really important, doesn't it? But it's nothing. Really, this isn't theory. It's nothing. And that's why we keep offering it to God. Amen. And so, so Romans 8.27 is alluding to what we're seeing here in 1 Corinthians 10-16. And so this person cannot know uh, the way of God, cannot know, because they do not have revelation, they do not have wisdom. And so all of this is a problem of direction. It's an issue of direction. And so think about your life, how throughout the day you are directed as something apart from God. And so you cannot know where God's heart is, where what he considers important. And so you cannot help but choose your unbelief. And as this gets hardened, when certain events happen, you fall into despair, fall into unbelief. I'm not saying that there's no hardships in life. But no matter what hardships might come, God is one who can overcome all things. And remember that God is not looking to curse you. Right? Because God's purpose for you is peace, is victory. But because we keep choosing darkness, we cannot see God's manifestation. Why did this happen? Why is bad things happening to us? Because we do not have revelation, we keep just speaking of the bad things of the world.
So let's continue. So only the Holy Spirit seeks out the depths of God. So as Romans 8.27, this is really um, terrifying, right? It's not that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit alone directly is in us. Why? Because we live in this this dynamic of the Trinity. Right, though God is not going to work outside of that dynamic. Right, like the Holy Spirit is not going to impede on the work of Jesus Christ. That's why this dynamic of the Trinity is really important. Now, of course, because God recognizes our ignorance. Sometimes when we pray to Jesus, maybe God the Father will still work, right? But this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Right? You need to ask for of the Father. But you keep asking the mother. The Father is the one who needs to give it to you. Now, of course, maybe some of your houses, the mother has more strength, right? But... Right, you need to ask your mother for food. But you keep calling your father who's working, make me ramyon, make me ramyon. Right, this is like a, a, an allusion to that mistake of that dynamic of the Trinity. But thankfully, God recognizes our ignorance. And so if I say to the father, make me ramyun, then, then he'll call his wife and say, oh, my son wants to eat ramyun, <laughs> right? And so the Holy Spirit knows the thoughts. And so it is a great blessing to not limit the Holy Spirit because he knows all things. And he knows, searches out the depths of God. And so if you live by the Holy Spirit, you will live by the Trinity. Amen? And so verse 11 is expanding on what's introduced in verse 10. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? And so everything that's going on inside of us is, is known by our spirit, right? Whether it's hurts or wounds or a spiritual issue or maybe some good memory. Everything is re- known by our spirit, right? What is the spirit? The spirit is like the black box of the soul. And so whether it's in the conscious or in the subconscious or even in the unconscious, even if your mind doesn't recognize it, your spirit knows it. So for example, it's like this. Let's say someone has wounds towards their parents. Even if their mind doesn't know it, 
because their spirit knows it, they always meet people similar to their their parents that and in circumstances that 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 uh, that cause them that pain. Let's say that someone always has an issue with money. Though their mind may not recognize it, their spirit knows it's because they have hurts towards that money. And so, who is going to let them know the things in the spirit, the Holy Spirit? It's because you do not live by the Holy Spirit that you're constantly living in these things, immersed in these things. That's why you still live in your hurts and wounds. That's why you still live with your hurts and wounds, because you are not living by the Spirit. And so that's why you're unable to deal with the issues of the Spirit. Why? Because you do not live by the Spirit. If you were immersed in the light, if you were immersed in revelation, then all of these things would have been loosened. That when you receive salvation, about 90% of it is already solved because the Holy Spirit reveals it. But it's because you're bound inside yourself, that's why you're constantly bound in your problems. You're bound in repeating these problems. And because you, because you do not live by the Holy Spirit, your spirit knows, but your mind doesn't recognize. That's what this is talking about. So continuing in verse 11. And so the spirit of that person knows the person's thoughts. And so if you do not live by the Spirit, you cannot deal with these things as continually circulating inside of you, as continually empowering you. So brothers, live by the Spirit. Ever since you were conceived in your mother's womb, you keep trying to solve your own problems. That's the problem. Right? Continually receiving the problem of your the, the hurts and wounds of your mother. And so whether it's in your conscious or unconscious, it's still in there. If you do not solve it with it, then it's still there it's always going to be there and it'll manifest in your personality it's going to manifest in how you live your life it's going to manifest in spiritual issues it's because you do not live by the holy spirit that you do not solve these issues and so in that same light right uh, so no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God, as we saw earlier in Romans 8.27. That God reveals all things, the depths of God through the Holy Spirit. And so in the same way, we, we, we recognize those things through the Holy Spirit. We sense these things through the Holy Spirit. And so... And so through the Holy Spirit, God is experiencing us. He is experiencing us through the Holy Spirit. That uh, He likes chocolate. And so He gives you chocolate. God is experiencing us through the Spirit. And so in the same way, we're having this fellowship. And so though 1 Corinthians 2 is not talking about this relationship, but one of the most important names of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of fellowship. It's the spirit of fellowship with God. And so why is this so difficult to pray? Because you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you're not living by the Holy Spirit. 
if you live by the Holy Spirit, you recognize, as it says in Romans 8, 26, that we do not pray by our words, our thoughts. No, but that the Spirit within me knows what I need to pray. And so, prayer is the words of the Holy Spirit, not my words. And that's where authority and power comes. It all comes through the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so let's continue. And so in this context, how great a blessing is it that we have the Holy Spirit? And so we can talk about this blessing in many light, in many respects. But the greatest blessing is the nobility of being his temple, his dwelling place. As he says in First Corinthians 3, 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And so we clearly here it says we are God's temple. In chapter 6, uh, 19 says the same thing. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? And so if man doesn't have the Holy Spirit, then what? Sorry, I didn't catch what this This is communism. What is communism? Uh, that the body and, uh, and, and your humanity, your individuality has no worth, right? That's communism, right? But why do you have worth? Why are you valuable? Because inside of you is the Spirit of God. And so look, what is the problem with immorality? Immorality is sin against your own body. But the danger of this is that your body is the temple of God. And you are polluting the temple of God, which is immorality. And so if you don't have the Holy Spirit, even if you commit immorality, it's okay. It's natural, right? Maybe you'll get punished by the law. But I mean, it's expected of you. But if the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, immorality not just immorality but any darkness at all becomes pollution and as it says in chapter 16 that he is cursed because you are not just simply a tent but you are the holy of holies and so why are where does your nobility come from because God right now is seated on his throne in heaven right in his heavenly holies which is the uh, headquarters from which from which he reigns over all creation and so there from there his dominion determines the history of man but who else makes that decision? The Holy Spirit is there and also inside of you, and so you know what's going on. And because you are living by the Holy Spirit, you are you can know these secret things. But without Him, you cannot know these things. And so I think that this is the most biggest blessing, right? That I abide in you and you abide in me. 
His Spirit dwelling within me means that I am in His presence. And in His presence, He reigns over all creation. As it says in Colossians 1.15, that all creation is supported, is upheld by His Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit dwells within me, and because I am in Him, I am His temple. And so it is order of things for Him to reveal His determination. What does He let me know? Even the wisdom to teach angels. Ephesians 3.10 And so recognize this nobility, this great honor that you have been given. And so Paul says in Ephesians 2 that you are God's dwelling place. And this dwelling place is a symbol of God's, of the king's authority. And so from within you, God's authority and power is radiating. That's what, one reason why your prayer is so important, right? But because you do not live by the Holy Spirit, you cannot enjoy this great privilege. It's because you are not filled with the Holy Spirit that you cannot know the darkness. You do not know where the strategy of the devil is. Devil is nothing in light of God. As it says in Ephesians 6.12, they are very strategic. But we do not have to worry because we have the strategies of God. And so as he says in Isaiah 11 or 12, what is the Holy Spirit? It is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Right? And if you have the Holy Spirit, you have wisdom and you have understanding. And you also have, again, another word for understanding. What is understanding? He is our advocate. And this word advocate means he is our counselor. He is our defender, right? Yeah. And so he counsels us, counsels us, Sergio, don't go there. Oh, yes, go there. Oh, you can meet this person, but don't meet that person. He counsels us in everything, right? That is what a counselor does. And going beyond that, he is also the spirit of power, right? And he is the spirit of worship. And so if he's inside of me, then this worship will be reverence, will be reverential. That spirit of reverence would come upon me. And so it's in that Holy Spirit that everything comes. This great privilege is granted through this one spirit. And so through that spirit alone can we recognize the way of the cross. And so let's talk about this spirit, the Holy Spirit. Okay, we, we want to uh, reorganize the terminology because the Korean uh, Bible is translated in too many ways. So I did um, go over this terminology before. But it's not because of theoretical context, but rather because uh, translation will determine meaning, right? Uh, 성령, 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 성령,
And so, and so the word Hagios Pneuma has been mostly, for the most part, been translated as Holy Spirit. But sometimes instead of saying Holy Spirit, it just says Spirit. And so whether this word the is there or not is important. This definite article is important. Because before the gospel, there was no word Holy Spirit. It usually used the Spirit. Why? Because before Jesus Christ came, the Holy Spirit didn't dwell inside of us. And so it was impossible to recognize uh, the, the character of that Spirit. And so as you're listening to this word, brothers, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what Spirit is moving in you? The Spirit of Truth. You are not recognizing words that you've never heard before. Rather, the truth that dwells inside of you is meeting with the truth that I'm proclaiming. And as this truth moves, it makes it possible. And so in that context, there's great change. But it's because you keep trying to listen through your mind that you are not transforming, you are not changing. It's all about the character of the Holy Spirit. That's how the Holy Spirit works. And so Romans 1 uh, uses this what sanctifying spirit, right? The sanctifying spirit might might be confused with Holy Spirit. But the sanctifying spirit is a character of the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the early church recognized this Holy Spirit. And so usually calls it the Spirit rather than Holy Spirit. And so this needs to be more accurate as you read the Bible. We'll see here. And so when it says the Spirit, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. But there are sometimes some exceptions. Then how do you translate those exceptions? You can see it clearly through context. That's what's important. Why is this spirit the spirit, not the Holy Spirit? And why is the definite article not there? That's what's important here. And so look at verse 11. So here, except the spirit of that person. So this is so this is translation because in Korean it just says spirit, and so not spirit of that person. But in the English it's clear, right? That the spirit of that person. So the English translation is is better than the Korean translation in the context of this passage. And there are many people who, who interpret this wrong. And so when the definite article is not there before Pinuma, there's a spirit of man, might be a spirit of devil. But like it says in Romans 8 also, it could also be my spirit united with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
And so it's just spirit, right? Romans 8.13 Right, that if you put to death the acts of the flesh through the spirit this word spirit is this, it doesn't have the definite article so then is this the Holy Spirit or is this the spirit of man? Is it the Holy Spirit or the spirit of man? What does it mean to put the uh, put to death the acts of the flesh through the spirit? This could be interpreted in two ways but it's the same thing it's my spirit united to the Holy Spirit. And so through that thing, I put to death the acts of the flesh, which means my spirit is directed towards God, meaning that I have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so in other words, it's not just simply the spirit of man. And so it's when you understand this context that you're able to understand the various spirits that is being described here. So here clearly in verse 11, is spirit of that man. And so should the definite article be there or not? It's not there. And yet it's there. And so this is an exception, right? Because it says, the spirit, right? So why did, why did Paul use this definite article here? It's to describe this spirit of that person, right? It is individual spirit of that person. Like, for example, let's say these two people both have wounds towards a father. It's the same hurt, right? But he is an individual, right? Unique. And so this wound is the same thing. You cannot say that, oh, they both have wounds of father, and so they both get the same kind of ministry. No, to this person, to his spirit, his ministry applies only to him. And then to this person, it only applies to him because you are unique. That's why Paul uses this word, the, the definite article here, to accentuate that uniqueness. Now in verse 12, it says, the spirit of the world. So again here, we see this definite article here. Why? It's to uh, point out this difference between the spirit which comes from God and the spirit of the world which does not come from God. So it's not saying that um, it's not saying that the war, spirit of the world is evil. That's not what it's trying to accentuate. What it's trying to accentuate is that the spirit of God does not come from the world. And there are several exceptions like this. For example, John 3, 5. That if you are not born of the spirit and water, then you cannot see the kingdom of God. And here, the Spirit is the Holy Spirit, right? And so is the definite article there or not? It should be there, right? Because it is the Holy Spirit. And yet there is no definite article here. Why? Why did Apostle John take out the definite article here? Because Jesus Christ is speaking before the Holy Spirit manifests after the Pentecost. And so before that spirit uh, comes inside of us, does not manifest inside of us, we cannot call it the spirit. Why? Because this the is talking about the reality and the, the tangibleness of that spirit. 
And so what's important here? If the Holy Spirit enters into you, you experience it. And it's when you experience it that it becomes the Spirit. Okay, apart from that, it's just a pneuma, a Spirit. It's all different. And so usually when the definite article is not there, it is describing people or demons or something else that's not the Holy Spirit. And we talked about this in Romans. Right? It uses this word pneuma very often. Right? We saw in Romans 8, so let's look somewhere else. Galatians. It's because the Korean translation has translated this wrong in many ways. Romans 5. Oh, uh, sorry, not Romans. Galatians, right? He said Galatians. Sorry, I didn't hear the chapter. I thought I heard 5, but I'm reading... Ah, 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. And so here, is this the Holy Spirit or not? It's not? Because the Holy Spirit is supposed to be me and the Holy Spirit united. Okay, maybe this isn't the verse that he's talking about. And so look, what am I trying to say? We're talking about the Holy Spirit's name. And so if the definite article is there, it's primarily the Holy Spirit. There are few exceptions. A few exceptions. But if the definite article is not there, it's the spirit of man, the spirit of devil, spirit of something else, right? I'm going beyond that. That the name applying to the spirit as as pertains to the Trinity. Right, we call it, the, it usually says the Spirit of God. Which means that the Spirit has relationship with God, right? So, Spirit of God. Right, and so it's no longer the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit of God when your love is, con is confirmed. It also talks about the Spirit of Jesus, right? Again, this is the relationship between Jesus and the Spirit. 
And not often, but there's also places where it says the Spirit of the Son. Right? And so through the Holy Spirit confirming your the inheritance, right? Heir, right? And the Spirit of Adoption, which is similar to Spirit of Son, right? So this is a character of the Holy Spirit, right? Right, the spirit of adoption, right? Uh, what's what's the character of the spirit? As we talked about earlier, the spirit that sanctifies, right? Spirit of truth. Again, we need to move in that spirit of truth. And as the word is being proclaimed inside of you, the word, that truth is confirmed inside of you, as it says in Ephesians 1.14, right through the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about Isaiah 11 earlier. Right, these are all characters of the Holy Spirit. And so as I live by the Holy Spirit, these things become part of my character. So these are all benefits of the Holy Spirit. And so... Okay, so I have... Um, I have... Um, what's it called? Um... Uh, redefined these these terms, or not redefined, but but refined these terms. Refined. This is the reason why it's so important to see the original language. Because if not, we may make misunderstandings. We may make misinterpretations. Right, what spirit is the Bible talking about? Is it talking about the Holy Spirit? Or is it talking about your spirit? So moving on to verse 12. And so we talked about the spirit of the world, right? This is the spirit that the Holy Spirit doesn't come from the world, but comes from God. And so as we saw in Romans, right, that the world cannot recognize the spirit, cannot receive the spirit. And that's why from the perspective of the Holy Spirit, the most dangerous spirit to be characterized by is the spirit of worldliness. And so if you recognize that you are worldly, then you need to understand that you are very um, ignorant of the Holy Spirit. Because this is the principle of things. The spirit of the world cannot know the world, cannot receive or cannot know the spirit, cannot receive the spirit. The more you are filled with the world, that is how ignorant you are of the Holy Spirit. And so all we have to do is hate the world. Amen? <laughs> but anyways, so uh, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, as we see in verse 12 that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Right? To recognize the gifts of God. Which is directly alluding to the way of the cross. That every gift of God is recognized through the Holy Spirit. Right? As we talked about earlier, His personality, the power of the blood of Christ. All of these things are assured by the Spirit inside of us, right? The assurance of His promise. 
All of these things are assured by the Holy Spirit, right? You being adopted as sons, as it says in Romans 8:15, that my spirit has been uh, has has been confirmed inside of him. And so it's because we do not live by the Holy Spirit that we are unable to recognize the dignity, the honor that He has given us. And so the same thing applies to spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts is the working out of the indwelling Holy Spirit. But if God does not anoint, then there is no working of that Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit is weak. No, but rather that's how much he defers to God. Because he does not move without God. And so in other words, there is uh, a bil- uh, offices of that trinity. And so if you do not live out that trinity, you are limiting the power of that of God. For example, love is character of the Father. And so if you have hurts of Father, you cannot receive love. Glory and, and nobility has been characterized by Jesus Christ, right? And so through his sacrifice, he gave us the power of the blood. And that blood, what does it do? It gives us, it imparts his nobility. And so if you lose sight of the sun, you lose sight of that glory, that nobility. And then the Holy Spirit guarantees all of these things, right? My prayer is guaranteed through the Holy Spirit. His promise is guaranteed through the Holy Spirit. The nobility and the honor is guaranteed through the Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit doesn't work, all of it becomes theoretical, becomes ideological. That's why it's so dangerous to live by your thoughts. So let's continue. And so it's in that anointing that the Holy Spirit works. And so people outside of this church for 10, 20 years, they strive and struggle to receive tongue prayer. But the moment they come here, they receive tongue prayer. What's the difference? Is it our excellence? No, it's the anointing. Because anointing is flowing in this church that these spiritual gifts just come forth. And so even spiritual gifts is guaranteed through the Holy Spirit. And so, can you imagine the great gifts that God has prepared for you? And God has this confidence in His gift that those who draw near to Him will be rewarded. And so every day we should draw near to Him moment by moment. Every moment by moment. This morning, ever since I woke up early in the morning, I continually come draw near to Him. Continually draw near to Him. And every time I draw near to Him, He rewards me. There used to be that movie, Ben-Hur. Right? Who's the star of Ben-Hur? Ben-Hur. Uh, what's his? Yeah, Char- Char- Charleston, Charleston Hester, right? Do you know how many Academy Awards he has won? He, he received so much that he could, had no space for anymore. But the award that God gives is more than that. More than that. He gives you power. He gives you material blessing. He gives you wisdom. He gives you all things. 
But because you live by the world, because you live by your thoughts, you cannot receive. God gives limitlessly. And when you do not live by those gifts, you are powerless. And you keep selling yourself to Babylon, thinking that Babylon will call you out of poverty. No. Oh, oh, my family is not famous. Oh, I am dumb. Oh, I don't have money. I didn't have resources. That's why your scale keeps diminishing. You cannot live by the grand scale of God. Okay, let's say that I have a dollar and I lost 50 cents. Of course, I would feel aggrieved, right? But now let's say that I was supposed to receive a thousand dollars, but I could not receive a thousand. I lost a thousand. How much greater would that would that sense of loss be? That regret be? It's not about losing what I had or what I have been taken from me. Rather, it's losing what I should have received. That is the greater loss, the greater tragedy. And so, whatever the cost, we need to loosen these things. If you have to, if you have to fast 40 days, 10 times, 20 times, 100 times, whatever it takes, we need to loosen our spirits. Wake up, brothers. Wake up, brothers, because this is the reality. Moving on to verse 13. And we impart this in words. And so we'll talk about this words regarding discernment later. So discernment, we got to talk about understanding as well. And so, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. And so Paul, as he's teaching of this wisdom, he's not using rhetoric or logic, right? Only by through the Holy Spirit. But taught by the Spirit, right? The Pneuma. But here, the definite article is not there. And so it's just Spirit. Which means me being united to the Holy Spirit. And so look how different this interpretation can be. Now, of course, you can understand that. Oh, because the Holy Spirit taught us that you understand, but you can understand it by the Holy Spirit. But it's not just simply taught by the Holy Spirit, but I'm receiving in the Holy Spirit. And so, again, being more clear is speaking within that indwelling Holy Spirit within me. And so, he's not speaking out of the presence; he's speaking out of what the Holy Spirit is inside of him. What that what that means is that he's speaking only what he's embodied, what he has made a part of him. 
And so look, even just this word, the spirit, is not a simple thing. It's talking about the reality of this word in him. Because he lived by the Holy Spirit, he has realized this word within him. He has embodied it. And so look at how much the difference that this makes when it's just their definite article there or not. And so how you receive the word will determine your Christianity. And it's because you receive this vaguely that your Christianity is so vague. But now we want to be clear, amen, and accurate, amen. It's not theoretical. Why are you so surprised? And so taught by the Spirit means being taught by His Spirit being one with the Spirit of God. What that means is that Paul does not speak without revelation. And so this word discernment Right, is uh, spiritually discerned. They are spiritually discerned, as it says in verse 14. Or actually, no, in verse 13, right? Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And so this word krino means to judge. Right, that's this word interpreting. That's where this word interpreting comes from, right? Is to judge spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. That means Paul is not speaking out of his experience. He's not speaking out of his knowledge or his logic and rhetoric. Right? In 1 John 1.20, it says that he speaks through the anointing, through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, that through the interpretation, through the crino of the Holy Spirit, right? To judge in the Holy Spirit. And so that's what this word interpret means, right? Is to is that is through the uh, revelation of the Holy Spirit through the anointing. And so spiritual things are interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And so this is talking about the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And so what are these spiritual things? It is the way of the cross. And so. The wisdom of God can be explained through revelation. And so as I said earlier, when my, I'm directed towards God and God's work is being manifest inside of me, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the way of that, of that, discern, of, of that discernment. And so without wisdom, we cannot understand uh, the word of God. Now, of course, you may be able to understand the logos, but you can only understand the spiritual truth through revelation. And so that means that as you're listening to the word, it's a it's this revelationship of revelation. I speak in revelations, and you receive in revelation. In other words, you receive in faith, and when you receive in faith, that revelation moves inside of you. I'll talk about this next in the next verse. And so this is very practical for us to apply. So let's say I want to do something, but I don't have money. 
then logically you will look to maybe get a loan or borrow money, right? But the one who lives by spirit doesn't do this way. First, he is directed towards God, so he prays. And as he prays, God reveals. Why is the issue of money coming? God will reveal. And then through discernment, ah, maybe God doesn't want me to do this business. Or maybe this is an issue with my uh, greed. All of this is re- revealed, so this wisdom is revealed through revelation. And so because that revelation and wisdom does not come, you look for a loan or you fall into despair. And so God cannot work. There must be revelation. We need to see God manifest his work. If he says to stop or go, or conversely, maybe go get a loan. Right? It's by revelation. And so through revelation, wisdom provides the strength to work. And so this should not be theoretical, but this should be very practical because revelation should be everything to you. For example, Paul wanted to go preach in Asia, but God stops him. And Paul sees that in revelation. That, ah, God's not working here. Why isn't he working here? And then so the wisdom comes to him to go to Macedonia. And so all things must be opened through God's revelation. And so without these things, that's why you uh, keep uh, going according to your thoughts, which leads to death and destruction. And because you do not have faith, there is no guarantee. So brothers, we need to live by the Holy Spirit. We need to direct ourselves to God. The one who is directed to God will always receive revelation. That the Holy Spirit will reveal where to go, where not to go. So verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So earlier we talked about this as someone who is mental, who speaks of their, who lives out of their mind. So does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. And so this should normally talk about people who do not receive this, who receive the Holy Spirit. But even if you receive the Holy Spirit, if you live by your thoughts, you are receiving, you are living this way. And so you do not live by the working of the Holy Spirit. So here it says the Spirit of God, right? The Spirit that is one with God. And so, uh, for they are not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Right? This has relationship with the Holy Spirit, with God. And so, if we need wisdom, who do we seek? We seek God. We do not seek Jesus for wisdom, right? I mean, I mean, God will adjust it, but just as when you ask your father for lamyon, he'll call your mother to, to make you lamyon. Abu 
And so the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. It just says the things of the Spirit of God, right? This is talking about the way of the cross. And so to someone who does not receive the working of the Holy Spirit, everything of God seems foolish to him. It's folly. Why, God, are you telling me not to go? Why are you telling me to stop? Why are you telling me to suffer this loss? Because you judge in the flesh, all the things of the Spirit seems foolish to you. And you cannot recognize it. And so if you do not live by the Holy Spirit, you will be opposed to the Spirit. Why? Because flesh lives according to your own benefit. And if it does not benefit you, you will not move. And so look, why am I using so much money as I go to Central America? Oh, I think Pastor Kim loves Central Americans, loves Latinos. Why are you using so much money there? Okay, now maybe some of you are just believing in me. That's why you're just following me and supporting me. But you need to see the same will of God that I'm seeing. That's where your true devotion comes, your sacrifice comes through prayer, through time, through materials. When you go to the kingdom of heaven, all of these things will be part of your glorious reward. So you need to see these things spiritually. And but it's because your functions of the flesh is moving. That's why you're unable to see the movement of the Holy Spirit. And then here in verse 14, we also see this word discern, spiritually discern. And so this word discern here is not the same word as in verse 13, where it says interpretation, right? And so uh, it's not krino, but anakrino. And so what is Paul trying to say here with this word discern? It's talking about the state that is one with the Holy Spirit and so recognizing what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so it's talking about the state that is one with the Holy Spirit and so the brain recognizes uh, what, what the Holy Spirit is doing. Right, it's the same thing with interpretation. What is tongue prayer? It is the prayer of, of prophecy that is within, done within you through the Holy Spirit. What is interpretation? Being able to catch that with your mind. And so let's say I pray in tongues. And the Holy Spirit lets me recognize what those sounds are saying. And my spirit captures that with my mind. And so that's where interpretation comes from. That is interpretation. 
And that's why conversely, uh, uh, the sound of devil you will hear with your ears, but uh, the sound of the uh, of the Holy Spirit you will hear inside. And so that's why the problem is is a lot of people they hear with their physical ears and they think it is the Holy Spirit. No, uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit will come from within. And so if we interpret verse 14 with verse 13 in context, let's say something happened. An event happened, but if you're directed towards God, if you're crossed towards God, then the Holy Spirit will work. And that is the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And through my intellect, emotion, and will that I will recognize that revelation and my mind will be able to interpret that according to the Spirit. Go, don't go, stop, move. Right, that is wisdom. And then so through that wisdom, your brain judges these things. You discern these things. And so if it's spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, or maybe it's some kind of judgment, then it's judgment. However it may manifest. And so this is what it means to be under the dominion of the Holy Spirit in your entire being. And so look, you don't need to understand the nuances of each mechanism. Just understand that when you live by the Holy Spirit, you live by that revelation. And your intellect and emotion and will will be attuned to that revelation, which will give you the power of wisdom to move according to that direction. And so if you need to listen to the voice of God, you'll hear the voice of God. Or for me, for the, for the most part, I just immediately act in faith. Right? My faith manifests immediately. As you become characterized by living with the Holy Spirit, this mechanism, as it continually moves inside of you, the act of the Holy Spirit happens immediately. Faith just moves immediately. And so this is how the kingdom of heaven moves. It's the same thing with healing. When I cast out demons, it's the same thing. The Holy Spirit just reveals all of those things immediately. And through revelation, gives me wisdom, the methodology, what I need to do. Maybe to some person, I tell them to run. Right? Or a long time ago in the past, right? Someone who had anorexia, right? Uh, even though she was starving herself and so could not take solid food. I commanded her to eat bread, right? To eat bread right away. That means tell, I'm basically telling her to die. And yet, that was the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gave to me. And then to a sister whose heart was uh, malfunctioning, there could have been many ways to, manif- to, to heal her. And yet, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that, that the heart was small, abnormally small, and that's why she was unable to run. And so, as I was ministering, I could have just said, heart, go larger, right? And yet, faith moved inside of me, and I told her to run. And so, she started to run immediately. And so whether it's healing or no matter what kind of issues in your life, if you live by the Holy Spirit, you will move by these mechanisms. And so if you look at John 3, uh, 
30 something that uh, the man of God speaks the words of God and so the Holy Spirit moves and, and pours out and so through those who move through the Holy Spirit they speak in the Holy Spirit and that's why we call it words of faith amen and so if you live by the Holy Spirit your, your life will continually move according to the scale of God according to the methods of God according to the flow of God but if you don't live by the Holy Spirit that's where frustration comes it's difficult to talk to someone who does not live in faith it's frustrating because the scale changes right? and it's not just simply when I talk about scale I'm not talking about a different size and bowl but rather the dimension is different and so if they do not live in faith they keep working out of the ability of man and so it's like this let's say that there's 5,000 people here right and feed them because they think in the ways of man they're like even if I had a year's wages I would not be able to buy them and so Jesus is frustrated because the scale is different it's like having a thousand people and ordering two bowls of food but Jesus' scale is what? there's a thousand people and he orders five thousand portions right? If you, who do you want to live with? Do you want to live with the guy who tries to make do with two orders of food for a thousand? Or the one who expects five thousand orders with a thousand? It's about faith, right? The scale. I'm not talking about, oh, who, who's uh, open-handed. No, I'm talking about the dimension of God. It's scale. And so to those who do not live this way, they always fall because of little things. Oh, I don't have this money, then so I cannot do this. I don't have this time, so I cannot do this. And so if you do not live by faith, you're constantly falling because of small little things. And so you're unable to break through in faith. Oh, it's because I don't have people. Oh, because I'm so busy. And so if you do not live by faith, if you do not live by the Holy Spirit, you cannot live by the works of God. And if you cannot live by the works of God, you cannot be blessed, right? God blesses your works through God. And so without this faith that God provides, then how can you work in God? And so if you do not have this faith, I cannot work with that because there's frustration. It's because you don't live by the Holy Spirit. And so let's continue. So verse 13 and 14, right, we, we understand it within the context of each other, right, with one another. Paul does not live by his thoughts. He lives by revelation. 
And if you live by revelation, the Holy Spirit reveals and teaches you the discernment of those things. And so spiritual gifts can all be explained with these things. For example, he sees the woman who is bleeding. And through the word of wisdom, the Holy Spirit explains to Jesus, even though he does not see it. But how, how does it become discerned? Anakrino? Uh, uh, sorry, not the bleeding woman, but the Samaritan woman. Uh, bring your husband. The, the Samaritan woman at the well, right? And so, so whatever issue may come, the Holy Spirit works. Teaches you even what to say. Whether you proclaim, make a proclamation of faith. Right? Sometimes when you're casting out demons... Maybe you say, I cast you out. Or other times I say, fire. Or other times I say, blood of Jesus. Or other times I say, get out, get lost, scram. It's all through the Holy Spirit. It's not me expressing it, the Holy Spirit. What's important is that the Holy Spirit works. The revelation comes. Manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And so verse 15. We're almost finished. We need to pray. Today, let's receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Receive this anointing, this mechanism of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's the same thing for you businessmen. Right? The Holy Spirit reveals, manifests. When you establish your church, it's the same thing like this. Do you, do you have click? Your son? That's enough. More than enough. Oh, you also have your mom. A koni to your sister, your sister as well. What are you saying? What do you mean? If your sister, if your brothers, if your brother is going to establish a church, you should go. Oh, Dongjini too, her husband. Verse 15. Uh, the spiritual person judges all things. Again, the spiritual person is the mature one. Right? Those who are being saved. Who live by the Holy Spirit. And they, these spiritual people judge all things. And this word judges, again, is the Greek word anakrino, not just krino. Meaning that they can say all things through the Holy Spirit. As I said earlier, revelation comes, they understand wisdom, and then so the Holy Spirit judges these things inside of me, discerns these things, and then so as my brain receives that, I speak. And so when we say speaking in faith, it's not a simple mechanism, but all of this is going on in the background. But ultimately, what does this mean? It means my direction is towards God. I am pressed towards God. If your direction is towards darkness, you cannot receive the revelation of God. You cannot see how the Holy Spirit is working. So that's why our direction needs to always be pressed towards God. Right? Towards God. And so when revelation comes, the execution of that revelation will come through wisdom and it happens automatically. And so honestly, you don't need to pray for wisdom. 
If you need to pray for something, you should pray for revelation. That Lord, annihilate my flesh, annihilate the methodology of the flesh within me, and help me to direct myself towards God so that I can recognize your revelation, so that I can recognize your manifestation. And if that revelation comes, that wisdom will follow. As I said, why do you lack wisdom? Because even if wisdom is there, you do not have revelation. And in darkness, wisdom cannot move. And so that's, a revelation cannot move. And so that's why you lack wisdom. And so wisdom itself is not the issue, but revelation. <coughs> and so God has created a very simple solution, which is to fix our eyes on Him. And if we fix our eyes on Him, the Holy Spirit will work inside of us. So some of you may feel that this is really complicated, it's really hard. But no, you don't need to hear it in a complicated way. I'm just telling you the, the mechanisms. All you have to do is fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes on God and the Holy Spirit will work within you. As long as you are fixed towards light, you will not choose darkness. If you are looking towards light, you will not think manly ways. You may do this. Maybe for a moment you have to stop. Why? Because you're not able to do it instantaneously. Maybe not. And so maybe you stop. But you will not be confused. You will not be confused in the end. Because eventually you will come across the Holy Spirit's revelation. And then wisdom will come. And the Holy Spirit will speak within you. Will, uh, and you will discern it and understand it. Right. For example, right, I use the example of the death of Enoch all the time. Right? Why did God al allow this to happen? Right, immediately it just happened and so immediately joy came up. And I was able to give thanks to God and recognize that God did it. And so this proclamation comes forth. Excuse me one moment. And so let's continue. And so... But he is himself to be judged by no one. And so these spiritual beings are not judged by the world. They are not influenced by the world. And so from the relationship with the new self, the new self is not influenced by the world because it doesn't have the system to sin. And so in the new self, as we fix our eyes to God, what? Okay, and so if you are receiving darkness, that means you are in the old self. If you're choosing the wrong path, it's because you are in the old self. You are facing towards darkness. And so you may think that, oh, I'm living by God, and yet why am I going down the wrong path? No, that's a lie. That's a lie. If you are living by God, you cannot end up wrong. You cannot end up in the wrong place. The new self, they will not doubt the things that God is showing. They will not have worries. Oh, what if I'm wrong? That is the assurance of faith that God gives to the new self. If you have worries, that means that is the old self. Faith has no, um, is not shaken regarding the results. Even now, uh, 
Kim Namsoon, she gave up on going to the hospital. But if this is God's choice, then she will not be worried about death. Whether I live or die, it doesn't matter. If you have that worry, then go to the hospital. If it, God has done it, then there is no worries. There is no regrets. God has done it. That is the image of the people of God in this world. When I look at Kim Namsu, if I saw her, or, uh, no, in her husband, I see that, her, that his face is worried. Should I have gone to the hospital? Should I not? You're constantly going back and forth. This worries. This is clear evidence that there's darkness. He made a joke saying that at the very least we should have this confidence that if she dies, that means I'm free to marry again. And then and then so what does that give for her then? That oh I'm not going to die, right? Because of this. How great is our church that we can make a joke about a cancer patient, right? How great is our church? That, that, that is amazing. We are not influenced by the world that all oh, because the world says to go here, we go there. No, that's not the case, right? This wisdom cannot be recognized by the church. And so let's finish verse 16. For who has understood the mind of God so as to instruct him? That means that no one can teach God, right? And yet this word mind is the word noose. And so we talked about noose as the eyes, right? So why does he not use cardia and use noose? As I said, what does it mean to live by the Holy Spirit? It's about direction, your direction. And so if my noose is clean and pure, that means that I'm directed towards him. And because I'm facing towards him, I can receive his heart. I can understand his heart. So who's going to teach us his heart? It is the wisdom, the anointing, right? The anointing. Honestly, I'm not teaching you out of my own knowledge, my own ability. Without the anointing, I cannot teach you. There are many reasons why I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But because I'm a preacher, if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, that is great danger. Right? Because if you learn what I, because what I proclaim, you are learning. And so if I, if I use my reason and rationality, that's dangerous. And so is there anointing? Can you feel the anointing? Is that anointing coming to you? Those of you in the back, is there anointing? Is anointing going? Tell me. Let me know. Let me know. Hedeong, is there anointing? Anointing? Why, aren't, why isn't there shaking? Anointing? Is anointing going to you? You're going to find a good new job. Okay, and so the noose needs to be clean. Noose, uh, the fact that the noose is clean is evidence that you are looking towards God. And so it's really important to look towards God. And so if your noose is clean, that means you're receiving the things of God. Amen? No one can teach you. 
Right? God is inside of you, and so who, who can teach you anything? Right? The Word of God dwells within you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. And the power of the blood is inside of you. So who dare try to teach you anything? Right? Right? The Holy Spirit, who is the source of all wisdom, dwells within you. The blood that can deal with any sin is inside of you. The reign of God, which is... Uh, in, in, embedded in his word dwells within you. And so, do you think it's possible for any pastor to come up to me and say, Pastor, I'll teach you the word? Even in relationship with man, it's like this. How much more than your spiritual state? Right? Who can teach you? Right? No one would dare. The only thing that can teach you is the anointing. So do not lose this nobility. And so don't sell your nobility. Don't trade your honor for a bowl of for a bowl of soup. <laughs> Do you think that I would go to fattening cake and tell her how to make a cake? No. Right? The source of all wisdom is inside of you, right? The Holy Spirit is inside of you. And so take pride in this nobility, in this glory. Why do you lack this glory, this nobility? It's because you are not having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's not working inside of you. That's why you keep listening to what the world says and listen to and when you listen to what the world says, you 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 either wither or or get haughty, right? And so anyways, let us pray. Let's receive this anointing. Today's word needs to be received in anointing. That let this mechanism move within you actively. And so let us experience directly the work of the Holy Spirit and so powerful anointing. Lord, we want to be your friend. We want to be intimate with you. We want to be free to live according to your leading. Be filled with that freedom. Be filled with that freedom. Holy Spirit, renew wisdom. Renew revelation. May we see every day that the reality of living with you. May we see you moving in our lives. As Apostle Paul proclaimed, that I cast all things as lost in light of the glory of knowing you. And so, Lord, help me once again to confirm that I am heading towards that goal, that glorious goal of knowing you. Lord, renew the anointing within this community and open the gates of heaven. Oh, Lord, renew that anointing. That, Lord, may all this spent anointing oil be cast out and new, new, pure oil once again overflow us, overflow within us. Receive the anointing of the King in faith. Lord, bless this offering. 
as the prophet proclaimed, open the gates of heaven and bless this offering, that this offering would multiply to bless the nations, and that, Lord, as we live by the kingdom of heaven, help us to know that there is no poverty, that all the riches of heaven would manifest its blessings upon our lives. Lord, come. Lord, bless the businesses. Bless your children. Bless them in their workplace. That, Lord, may it overflow. And now, by the grace of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and through the holy love of the Father, and the indwelling, comforting, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit, to the saints who choose to have fellowship intimately with the Holy Spirit throughout this month, upon their children, upon their inheritance, upon this nation, upon this people, upon Zoe Ministry and Yorban Church. May this blessing rest now and forevermore.